Welcome back to Bible time, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would open our understanding of your word. I pray that you would give me utterance and unction to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you would drive back Satan and bind him over those that would hear this word and that your word would not return unto you void, even as your word says, but that it would accomplish that for which it is sent. Help us to be obedient to your word. Help us to follow you, Lord, in Jesus' name, for Christ's sake. Amen. Now, here in this text, it says that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. And the first part of the text here is the emphasis of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to start there with that emphasis as well. And we're going to look at this name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we'll dive into this idea that the name of Jesus Christ be glorified in you. Not by you, but in you. What does that mean? How does that apply? And then, and ye in him. How are you glorified in Christ? What's he talking about there? We're going to try and touch these things today. And then finally, we'll look at this according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. How does the grace of God glorify Christ in you and ye? and him. Lord willing, we'll look at all the all of those things. Let's take a look here at the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If I can find it in my own Bible here, that might help. Philippians chapter 2, I believe it's verse 8 that we're looking for. Now, this name of Jesus Christ that we're looking for is not the name of Buddha. It's not the name of Allah. It's not the name of Muhammad. This is not the name of Hitler or Stalin or Mussolini or Paul Pot. It's not the name of um, Joe Biden. It's not the name of Donald Trump. It's not the name of Queen Elizabeth. It's not the name of anybody good, bad, or ugly that ever lived except the name of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus. This is an exclusive name, and we're going to see today that this name of Jesus is exclusive to the man God, the God who became man, the only God, the God of all creation, the God of the whole world, Jehovah God, who became flesh and died for our sins and was buried and rose again the third day. Here in Philippians chapter 2, he says in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, I want you to look that up in your Bible. And I want you to ask yourself honestly what it says in your Bible. If you have a Bible, if you have a real Bible, if you have the Word of God, it says what I just read, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And that's not why I went there. I didn't go there to do an expose of Bible versions or anything like that. But I went there because this is one of the most critical verses in the whole Bible as regards the name of Jesus Christ. This verse should come to your mind quickly whenever you begin to discuss the name of Jesus Christ, not just who Jesus is, but his name and the power of his name. Because here in verse nine, it says, God hath high, also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. This passage is one of the most key passages about the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus is the crucial cross crossroads of salvation. The name of Jesus is that name through which we will be saved. And we'll see that today. So it's no wonder that that this verse, that this scripture, that this section of the Bible has been not only tampered with, but manipulated and has been perverted and profaned in almost every other scripture 
that calls itself scripture in the English language. This Bible, the authorized version Bible, is the only Bible that accurately represents this text without casting any doubts or dispersions upon it. Here it says, who being in the form of God, Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The NIV, the New International um, Version, which is actually the New International Perversion, the NIV says that here in this verse, it says verbatim that it says Jesus Christ, and here's where I quote, thought not to be equal with God. It takes this text and completely reverses the meaning of the text and claims that Jesus Christ did not consider himself to be equal with God and gives this false humility. By the way, Colossians says, beware lest any man spoil you through, and he goes on and talks about beguile you of your reward, reward through a voluntary humility, through a humility, through a coming into subjection to someone you're not subject to. Do you know this world's all about that? The world wants you to be in voluntary humility. The world wants you to submit and to bow down and lay down everything that's right and true when somebody says, oh, they say, oh, they're a sodomite. So now all of a sudden you're supposed to just throw out everything that's true and beat your head on the mat at their feet while you bow before them and pander to everything they want you to do just because they're a sodomite. They have no right to that kind of treatment. They have no right to be bowed to. They have no right to get special treatment. This world has has flipped, flips everything. It takes discretion. Discrimination. It says we need anti-discrimination laws. Back in the United States, um, whenever the United States was formed, there were a lot of slaves in the southern states. And if you know the history of the United States, there went on until there was a civil war over slavery. And more Americans died in the Civil War that died in all the rest of the American wars all the way through the end of World War II. And all these Americans, they died. Some of them died because they were slaveholders and they hated black people and they were what people would call racist. But the vast majority majority of people died either for a what I think was even a misguided view of states rights or on the other hand died for the sake of the black man to free him from his slavery. And all of these people that died to bring about slavery did not end this superiority, the airs of superiority that white people treated black people with. But did you know that today I was in the hardware store and a white man treated me with an air of superiority? And did you know that everywhere you go, people treat each other with airs of superiority? If you're rich, you treat the poor with airs of superiority. If you are poor, you treat the rich with airs of superiority. It's human nature. The reality is that what has happened in this nation is we have begun to look at this discrimination issue and we've begun to like inflate this thing to the point where what we're actually trying to do is make everybody treat me better than you in the name of non-discrimination. So now, if I'm black, I expect everybody to bow at my feet. If I'm yellow, I expect everybody to bow at my feet. If I'm white, I expect everybody to bow at my feet. This is the mentality that has gotten in to the minds of people. And here in Philippians 2, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, he was in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And 
boy, did we get on a rabbit trail with the discrimination. Let's try and tie that back together. Why were we going there? Because the discrimination crowd today, they've taken this social justice campaign that was once legitimate and turned it into an illegitimate bludgeon to beat people into subjection and submission and lord it over them just like they were once lorded over. And now we've taken it into areas of sin like sodomy. And now we say, oh, the sodomites deserve equal representation and they deserve equal rights. Wait a second. Sodomy is a sin. Sodomy is not a way of life. You are not born a sodomite. You are born a human being made in the image of God, made either male or female, according to the word of God, according to Jesus Christ himself. You are not a transgender. You are either a man or a woman. And God made you that way. But now you're going to take the very things that you're going to take all the truths of the world and bend them and twist them and try and force everybody in the world to bow to your sin and give you some kind of special treatment as a sinner as if it makes you some first class citizen to be a sinner when the exact opposite is true. All sin is sin and sin is a reproach, the Bible says, to any nation. Whether that's adultery, a man marrying another man's wife, or whether that's sodomy, a man and a man, a woman and a woman, whether that's whatever perversion, whatever wickedness, whatever sin, thievery, um, child molestation, whatever it is, sin is a approach to any nation not doing a good job getting off the rabbit trail and getting back on the message today but here what they do with the word of God is they take Jesus Christ and they bring him into subjection to their ideas and they give you this false humility like Jesus thought not to be equal with God this lie that is perpetrated in many 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 Bibles so called today like the ESV and the NIV total satanic perversions total breaches in truth these other many many Bibles that do it some Bibles come close and then they'll footnote it. And they'll put a footnote in there that says that the oldest and truest manuscripts don't translate it this way. And so there's this direct attack on the inequality of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we live in this culture that in the name of equality tries to bring everybody down to your level and so that you can lord it over them. And the reality is that people want to do that with Jesus. They want to bring Jesus down from where he is in the real Bible, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God and they want to bring him down beneath their feet and say that he thought not to be equal with God so that they can then elevate themselves to be equal with God and lord it over Jesus Christ himself. That's the actual agenda of the devil and of the wicked heart of the people that the devil has used to pervert the scriptures in this particular passage and this is a rampant problem in our day. This bringing Jesus down, bringing him down to a level of equality. The manhood of Jesus Christ is over exalted in our day. Shortly after Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again from the dead, a group of people rose up. This group of people was called the Gnostics. This group of people elevated the spiritual aspects of Christ. They elevated the spirituality of Christ to the exclusion of his body. And they said that Jesus, because he was perfect, never had a flesh because the flesh is sin. Is that true? 
The Bible says he took our sins in his own body on the tree. The Bible says he bore them in his flesh. Without a flesh, Jesus Christ could not have saved you. But today we've gone to the opposite extreme. Today what we've done is we've elevated the fleshly body of Jesus Christ because we want to devalue the reality of the deity of Jesus Christ. We want to bring Jesus Christ down to a human bro level. There's a man on the high desert, a Navajo man. He told me he believes in God. He believes in Jesus. Yeah, he believes in Father God, Mother Earth, Brother Jesus. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's bringing God down, not equal, bringing Jesus down to not equal with God, bringing Jesus down to equal with him. By the way, that's what Joseph Smith did. Joseph Smith, the leader of the Mormons, that pervert that wanted nothing but your little teenage daughter so he could defile them, that pedophile, that wicked pervert that led all those people out into the wilderness so he could adulterate their wives with Brigham Young and the whole crowd of them. Joseph Smith, what he did, was he rewrote the Bible. He plagiarized God's word. He added to it. He took away from it. He he had so-called revelations from Moroni. It's a bunch of baloney. Moroni, baloney. Oh, Moroni is real, by the way. Moroni is a devil who's going to spend his eternity in the lake of fire right next to Joseph Smith, and they're going to ride together in the flames of hell and all their Mormon followers with them, except they repent and believe the gospel. Turn from that wicked mess or burn. Now, Joseph Smith, he's decided he didn't like this Jesus character being equal with God. So what did Joseph Smith do? He made up all this junk about Jesus being a brother of Satan created by God. And he took all of these verses out of context, verses where God says that God made Jesus a little lower than the angels so that he could suffer for us, which has nothing to do with the inception of Christ. Christ has no inception as God. But he took a verse that deals with God giving Jesus a body and took it and applied it to the pre-existent eternal Jesus Christ as if Jesus Christ was created by God and he twisted the scriptures and people fell from their faith into absolute abject immorality and sin and blasphemy and they're going to burn in hell because they miss Jesus. Wait a second. You say, wait a second, wait a second. You don't really believe that all those good Mormons, that, that they're doing so many good deeds. You don't really believe that a loving God would send them to hell. I absolutely do. And it all hinges on this name of Jesus Christ. That's where we're at today. That's what we're studying today. And by the way, that's what the Jehovah's Witnesses have done. You see, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they didn't really like Jesus having a corner on this only begotten son of God thing where he is God in the flesh, like the Bible says. So what they do, they invented a new Jesus in their mind who is only the son of God. And they excluded every verse in the Bible from their doctrine that that tells clearly and plainly that Jesus Christ is not only the Son of God, but he is God in the flesh. The Father become flesh so that they could exclude Jesus Christ. By the way, this is what the Muslims do. The Muslims say that it is that women are unclean. The Quran teaches that women are unclean. By the way, here's a free one for you. The Quran teaches that every good Muslim man ought to put a bullwhip by his door, and every time his wife back talks, he ought to use it on her and whip her with a whip. The Quran also teaches, now of course I haven't, I can't give you the chapter and verse on it, but it teaches them that they ought to use it on their wife every now and then just to show her what, that they're the man of the house. 
for all you guys out there that want women's rights and all that, and then you go and rub elbows with the Muslims and act like they're so great. What a bunch of hypocrisy. In any case, the Muslims, what did they do? Well, old Muhammad, he too was a pervert. He too wanted multiple women. He too wanted to go out and run around with little girls. And so Muhammad made up his own religion. And Muhammad's religion, in his religion, what did he do to Jesus? He made Jesus just a prophet. He made Jesus just a good man. He said that God, which he called Allah, was the father and that he was from Ishmael and that he had this Abrahamic covenant with God through Ishmael and that somehow they supersede Jesus and pass up Jesus. Do you know every religion of the world does this? Every religion of the world passes by Jesus. Roman Catholicism passes by Jesus. No, no, not the Roman Catholics. They love Jesus. What a lie. They do not. They pray to Mary. Mary, the mother of God. They pass up Jesus. They put Jesus down here and Mary up here. Every religion in the world is constantly trying to debase Jesus and make him not equal to God like the NIV, which is why they all love the NIV. By the way, that's right out of the Catholic Bible. All these Catholic texts, which all come from the Alexandrian Gnostic texts. Every Bible in America today, except the authorized version Bible, has been edited based on Alexandrian Gnostic higher criticism texts that deny the deity of Jesus Christ and deny blood redemption. And that's why they cut up and trash every text they can about that that they can possibly get away with and still have a Bible that will sell. And if you don't believe all that, it's because you're willfully ignorant, you've got your head in the sand, and you've chosen to believe a lie. And I have no pity for that kind of a situation. I am so fed up. God have mercy on me. I am so fed up with the fake Bibles. And I'm so fed up with the stupid talks about it and the stupid arguments about it. And I'm so fed up with the stupid lies about it. It's not. It doesn't even make sense. But people go after it because they have itching ears. And guess what? They don't want Jesus Christ to be preeminent. They do not want Jesus to be that name that is above every name. They do not want Jesus Christ to rule and reign as Lord in their lives and in their world. And therefore they have to make up new Bibles that bring Jesus down to their level. A lot of the church has been invaded across the land. A lot of the so-called church has been invaded by this. I forget what the evil and call it, but basically Eastern mysticism, new age movement stuff that has crept into the church where, and guess what they think now? They think that we're all going to ascend like Jesus did. They think that Jesus reached some kind of state of Buddhistic nirvana and that we're all going to follow him in it and become equal with Jesus. It's the same song, different verse. This all started back in the Garden of Eden. It started whenever Satan told Eve, yea, hath God said, and he began to criticize the word of God. You think we're running rabbits talking about Jesus and getting hung up on the word of God, and we ain't running rabbits. That's the main subject. That is what Jesus is the word. You mess with the word and you mess with Jesus. Now these people, they think that they're going to ascend like Jesus, just like Eve did. Satan said to her, yea, hath God said, and he criticized the word of God. He cast doubt on the word of God. He took away from the word of God. Eve added to the word of God. And next thing you know, he's telling Eve, God doth know that in the day that ye eat of it, ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the fruit was good and that it would was desirable to 
make one wise to roughly quote it, not perfectly. You can go back and read it in Genesis 3. And the Bible says she took of the fruit and she gave it to her husband. He did eat also and the eyes of them both were open. So what were they trying to do? What were Adam and Eve trying to do? They were defying. They weren't trying to do this. They were defying the name of Jesus because they wanted to be equal with Jesus. They did not want Jesus Christ to be preeminent. They did not want Jesus Christ on his rightful place. They wanted to take the place of Christ, just like in Ezekiel, I believe, 14, where Satan says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of heaven. Satan wanted to be like God. Satan wanted to exalt himself. And this whole spirit of wanting to be God is the spirit of Antichrist. And it is in the world already. It's everywhere in this world. We see a power struggle today in the United States of America between the court systems, between the legislative system, between the executive branch, between um, a lot of the military leaders, a lot of the medical community. We've got doctors out here trying to play God, telling everybody when they can breathe and when they can't breathe. We've got people playing God in every arena of life. It is the basic, most, most fundamental area of sin that is destroying this world. You say, what is it that's really responsible for the fall of the world? Is it sodomy? No, sodomy is a result. Sodomy is a fruit, an outworking of the most basic sin that man commits. So you say, well, what is that most basic sin? The most basic sin that man commits against God is rebellion. That's the, and that is an outworking of the sin of unbelief. Unbelief is what happens in the heart. Rebellion is what works out of the unbelief. And man does not want Jesus Christ to be the boss, and so they rebel against Jesus Christ. And because Jesus in his Bible is so evidently supreme and preeminent and exclusive, man makes up new Bibles, man makes up a new Jesus. The Bible says here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 12 that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. In Philippians 2 he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, that means being God in form, his body, his shape, his makeup, his, his physiology, if you will, though he had not a body at that time, that he was the form of God being in the form of God doesn't mean he was like God. Do you hear me today? Get that satanic perversion of the Bible out of your mind. It does not say in Philippians that he was like God. It says he was in the form of God. That means that he was God. If I'm in the form of a man, it's because I'm a man. He's not talking about some kind of fake metamorphosis where you're putting on a false front. Listen to me. You see a caterpillar crawling along outside, and it's the form of a caterpillar because it's a caterpillar. And then whenever it goes in its chrysalis and it has metamorphosis, it comes out as the form of a butterfly. And it is no longer a caterpillar. It is a butterfly. It has changed forms. And the form is its reality. The form is its physiology. The form is what it actually is. Do you follow that today? And do you see the importance of that? Do you see the importance? For some reason in our minds, we think being in the form of means that he had a likeness to. We think that being in the form of means he looks like God. That's not what it's saying. It's saying he was God. As the black man said one time, he be God. 
he be God. Jesus is God. And he being in the form of God. Jesus being God, the very form of God. Who was God that Adam and Eve walked with in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden? It was Jesus Christ who was the form of God. No man has seen God at any time. The Bible says, the only begotten of the Father hath declared him unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, he says in 1 John, that which our hands have handled of the word of life, Jesus Christ, the form of God. Jesus Christ, God, the actual form of God. Jesus, the Bible teaches there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Jesus Christ is the Word. In, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The Bible says in, for, in the book of John, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This flesh and blood body of Jesus Christ is what was created. This flesh and blood body of God who is eternally existent is the Alpha. The body was born in Bethlehem Alpha. The body died on the cross of Calvary, and Jesus said it is finished. Omega. Jesus is the beginning. He is the ending. He's the beginning of redemption. He's the end of redemption. Jesus is the beginning of all things. Jesus is the creator of all things. Jesus is the ending of all things. He's the judge of all things. But Jesus always existed. He always will exist. He always has existed. Jesus is the eternal God. And when he was in the form of God, when in heaven the angels of God, the seraphims and the cherubims fell at the feet of Jesus and cried, holy, holy, holy to God almighty, the son of God who had not yet been born of the virgin's womb, but yet was in the form of God. He being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The Bible says in the Old Testament, I I am God alone, and beside me there is no God. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost talking there. Jesus Christ is God alone. Beside him there is no God. And yet God the Father is God alone. Beside him there is no God. And the Holy Ghost is God alone. Beside him there is no God. These three are one. Not just one in thought. Not just one in direction. Not just one in unified presence. But one in actual reality. We are made in the image of God. A body, a soul, and a spirit. God gave you your own self to show you him. A body, a soul, and a spirit, these three are one. I have a body, I have a soul, I have a spirit. The form of me that you see is my body, but I'm a lot more than just my body. And Jesus Christ was in the form of God. Jesus Christ being one of the three parts of the one eternal Godhead, who is one God. Three unique individuals, and yet one being. Just like I am, my soul is completely unique from my body. My spirit is completely unique from my soul. My body is completely unique from my spirit and my soul. But yet these three are one. And they are so much one and so entwined together that to separate one from the other brings death.
Now here, this Jesus, who was in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. What does it wait? The form of a servant, he took on a human form. You see, we were made to serve God. And Jesus Christ took on the form of a created being. Jesus, who is the creator God, who was in the form of God, changed. And instead of the butterfly being made from a caterpillar, the opposite happened. And the glorious being, the glorious creator of all the universe, became a man in the chrysalis of Mary's womb. What a strange Phenomena. What a strange miracle the incarnation of Christ really is. With no human father, his father being God alone, God the Holy Spirit descended upon Mary and placed in her womb the DNA, the, the divine DNA of a man who would bear the name of Jesus. Go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 31. As you're turning there, the Bible says in uh, in Philippians that he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He was in the form of God as God thought it not robbery to be equal with God as God. But then he became made in the likeness of men. You see, he was he really did have a human body and he really was all the way man. But he was not only man. He was made in the likeness of men. And while he was a man, yet he was God. Luke 1, 31. And, the, and behold, thou shalt conceive, the angel says to Mary. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. Luke 2 and verse 21. And when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And this same Jesus in Acts chapter two, verse 36 is what was preached on the day of Pentecost. That same Jesus is the one who God sent deliverance from our sins through, through the death of Jesus Christ on Calvary, his burial and his resurrection from his dead. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ. Now in Philippians it says that Jesus being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. What an amazing reality that Jesus Christ the word of God would be exalted Exalted above even the other names of God. Because here he says he has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, for some reason, it behooved God to make Jesus' name higher than his own name. The Bible says in Psalms 119, Thou hast exalted thy name above uh, thy word. He says, thou hast exalted thy word above thy name. 
Now, when Moses met with God in the burning bush, Jesus Christ met with God, met, was, was God in the burning bush. Jesus Christ there, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, represented in part by an angel, as one text says. There, Jesus Christ spoke to Moses, and he said, I am that I am. Moses said, who sent me? Who am I going to tell the children of Israel sent me? Moses said, and God told Moses, I am that I am. And there, Jesus Jesus went by that name, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost went by the name I Am. We know the Bible gives us the name Elohim. There in Genesis, the first mention of God, I believe, if I understand it right, is the name Elohim of God. There's other names of God that are given throughout the Bible. Jehovah, Jehovah Sigkanu, Jehovah Nisi. There's many, many, many names of God that he gives. He tells Abraham he's a shield. He says, I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. Moses called him the rock of Israel. And many names are applied to God throughout the Bible. But in Philippians chapter 2, it tells us that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father you can come to God through the name of Jehovah and miss God and burn in the lake of fire because you never came to God through the name of Jesus you can come to God through the name whatever name you want to ascribe to God biblical names or unbiblical names you can call him the great white spirit you can call him Allah you can call him Pope Benedictine you can call him whatever you want to call him and worship whoever you want to worship in the name of God but unless you come to God through Jesus Christ you will not get to God the Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus the Bible tells us that Jesus said in John 14 6 I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. I'm telling you today that the name of Jesus Christ is that name that is above all names and it is that name by which we must be saved. Let's go back to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3 and verse 6 they healed a man in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in 320 he told the people that God would send Jesus Christ in 326 he talks about how God raised up his son Jesus in Acts 4 2 they're preaching and the Sadducees are grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead they could have preached listen to me today they could have preached the God of Abraham they could have preached the God of Isaac. They could have preached the God of Jacob. They could have preached the I am. They could have preached Jehovah Sidkenu. They could have preached Elohim. They could have preached Yahweh to the people. And those scribes and those Pharisees and those Sadducees would not have been grieved. But when they preached the holy, immaculate, all worthy name of Jesus Christ, they were grieved that they preached the name of Jesus. And so it is today. Listen to me today. All the religions of the world can find common ground. They can find a common thread. They can all find and say, well, we worship the great white spirit. We believe he made everything. We worship Allah and we believe he made everything. We worship uh, Mary and we think she's the queen of heaven, which is all Babylonian garbage, by the way. And you can be a Roman Catholic and do all that. You can be any religion in the world and worship God by whatever name you want 
a name. But I'm telling you something today. That name of Jesus is where your eternal destiny is going to hinge. And when you stand before God, what you have done with the name of Jesus will determine your eternal destiny. Whether you spend eternity in the lake of fire or whether you are brought into the joy of the Lord in his in his presence are pleasures forevermore. And it is the name of Jesus that will be the hinge point. It is the name of Jesus that is your eternal shatter point. What will determine forever and ever and ever and ever where you spend eternity, whether in heaven or in the lake of fire, is what you do with this name of Jesus. These Sadducees were grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The Bible says here in Acts chapter 4 and verse 10 that Peter, who was filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, he says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You'll go to hell believing in Allah. You'll go to hell following Brigham Young. You'll go to hell following Stalin's communism. You'll go to hell following humanism. You'll go to hell following Nietzsche. You'll go to hell following the Jehovah's Witnesses. There's only one way and only one name. And that name is Jesus Christ. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. That name of Jesus Christ, that name above all names. And what did they say in verse 18? The Sanhedrin called them and commanded them that they not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Oh, they didn't have a problem if he wanted to talk about Rabbi Ben Sudatha or somebody or other. They didn't have a problem if he wanted to talk about the works of Jeremiah. They didn't have a problem if he wanted to talk about the book of Enoch. They didn't have a problem if he wanted to talk about some philosopher. They didn't have a problem if he wanted to talk about the parables of Buddha. They didn't didn't have a problem if he wanted to talk about the morality of Wiccan. They didn't have a problem if he wanted to bring a satanic Bible. They didn't have a problem problem if he brought anything but Jesus. They said, it's Jesus, the name of Jesus. You can't talk about Jesus. I'm telling you nothing about Jesus. You shut your mouth. Don't you say the name Jesus. Don't you talk about Jesus. And the reason is this. Jesus is exclusive. Jesus is almighty. Jesus is incomparable. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus died for your sins. According to the scriptures, Jesus rose from the dead. The third day, Jesus is alive and Jesus is the judge of all the earth. And Jesus is going to judge you, my friend. (coughs) Jesus is going to judge you. All the religions of the world can and will coexist. They'll all fly the flag of the Antichrist together. Every one of them. The Roman Catholics, the Protestants too, the Buddhists, every religion of the world is going to fly the flag of the Antichrist and unite against the name Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the only one of them that can't get along. 
He's the only one of them that can't get along. Everything else, you say, oh, there's no way Muslims and Catholics can get along. Oh, yes, there is. They worship the same God, the God of forces that the Antichrist is going to bring up. They don't know him by that name. They know him by other names. They worship, oh, Mary, the queen of heaven which is just a rework of all the old Egyptian gods and Babylonian gods, all that kind of stuff. A lot of Protestant churches, oh, they say they worship Jesus, but they've got another Jesus, which is why they've got to rewrite the Bible that has a whole other Bible that gives the name of the bright and morning star to Lucifer, Satan. And they sit there in their churches with Bibles that give the name of one of the names of Jesus to Lucifer because they serve Lucifer. That's why. You think that's harsh? It ain't harsh! This is God's word. And you've got a Bible in your church that calls Lucifer the morning star. You have a satanic Bible. And your church is serving Satan. Get it out of your church if you don't serve Satan. Prove that you serve Jesus. Repent and follow Jesus. He says every blasphemy whereby men will blaspheme the son will be forgiven. You still have time to repent and burn those filthy Bibles. Get right with God. Get right with God while there's still time. So this name of Jesus, they said, don't teach anymore in the name of Jesus. And what did they do? 427, they went right to God and started praying. And they said, for of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus, whom thou anointest. They started praying in the name of Jesus, which, by the way, is what Jesus said to do. He said, I don't tell you to pray to me to talk to the Father. I'm telling you, you pray straight to the Father in my name. All you Mariolaters out there worshiping Mary, Jesus said, don't even pray and ask me to go to the Father. You can go straight to the Father through the name of Jesus. If you're his child, if you're born again by the power of God, you have direct access. No priesthood required because Jesus is your great high priest and you're a priest under Christ if you're born again. So they start praying in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And down in verse 30, they ask God that wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. In verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. So he went out preaching the name of Jesus. Go to Acts chapter 8. It's amazing. You start talking about the name of Jesus, how many scriptures you hit that get edited or cut completely out of these modern perverted Bibles. Acts 8, 37. Acts 8, 37, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And they were, when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Here the eunuch was saved, born again by the power of God. How was he saved? He was saved through the name of Jesus. He was saved through faith in Jesus. He was saved through the name of Jesus. Now, by the way, you can curse and shout JC because you smashed your thumb, and that's not going to save you. So obviously just saying the words Jesus Christ aren't going to save anybody. The Bible says, with the heart, man believes unto 
righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation that confession of the mouth the confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord is only effective if the heart is truly believing the Jesus of the Bible you believing in your fake hippie Jesus from Hollywood and crying out to him for salvation you can just cry till you're blue in the face and go to a devil's hell you got to have the Jesus of the Bible Acts chapter 9 and verse 5, here Saul, he's going along in all his religion and he shipwrecks at Jesus like all religions do. And here he said, who art thou, Lord? Here's Saul laying on the road to Damascus and he sees Jesus with the brightness above the brightness of the noonday sun above that road. And he falls to the ground and he says, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. Notice he didn't say, he didn't say, I am that I am. He didn't say, I am Jehovah. He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Ananias tells him in verse 17, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. <coughs> In verse 27, Barnabas tells the people in Jerusalem how Saul has been preaching boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And on and on it goes. Let's skip several of these verses. Go to Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. And they said here, the Philippian jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He says, and thy house. In other words, if your house will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be saved too. It's not exclusive to you. This gospel's to all. And those that did believe got saved, which just so happened to be all that were in his house there in the next verse. Every one of you has got to make your own decision. Daddy can't get saved for you. Here he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It is that name of Jesus, that name above all names. Now, some people try and correct you in the English. His name is Jesus. And did you know that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came and they all spake with tongues, <coughs> they preached the marvelous works of God. And every man heard them speak in their own language wherein they were born. Parthian, Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, etc., etc., etc. They heard them preach the marvelous works of God in their own tongues. Did you know that the Holy Ghost can speak English as well as he can speak Hebrew? And did you know that the Bible says that this Bible is given by inspiration of God and that the Holy Spirit of God is who inspired it and that God promised to preserve his word forever unto all generations and that whenever Pentecost came, the word of God was preached in all these languages. I wonder how many errors were in the Holy Ghost's tongues that he spoke at the day of Pentecost, huh? How many errors? How many, how many lost things? How many things were just lost in the translation? What do you think? When Peter stood up and preached, how, how about those dwellers in Mesopotamia? Their language was probably just not up to snuff with the Hebrew language. How many things were lost in the translation whenever the Holy Ghost preached through Peter's mouth in the tongue of the dwellers of Mesopotamia? None. None. And so it is today. This all just comes back to faith. It's absolute rot to say that God can't preserve his word in any language that he wants to. And by the way, 
He preserved his word for us in English in the authorized version Bible. It is the word of God, perfect and pure, immaculate. It does not supersede the originals. It is equal with the originals because that's what it is. Because God is the author and God is the preserver. And therefore, because God said forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Our text is copied not from the book that Paul had written. Listen and get this. This will help you today. This ought to help you today. I hope this helps you. The book I'm reading and preaching from today was not copied out from the original letter that Paul wrote. It was preserved by the Holy Spirit who spoke it. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? I'm not depending on the original papyrus or whatever else was used to give me the word of God. I'm depending on the Holy Spirit of God who spoke it. Who said forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And then he said these words, thou wilt preserve them, O Lord, from this generation forever. And he therefore declared that the word of God preserved in heaven would be applied and preserved from generation to generation on earth They could burn every, listen, get this, this will help you. They could burn every single copy of the word of God on the face of the earth. Every single one, every single page, every single letter of every single manuscript and every single translation, even the spurious ones, they could burn it all. And tomorrow I could have the perfectly preserved inspired word of God on my desk. Because God is the one that preserved it, and God is the one that wrote it, and God's the one that inspired it. Do you remember when a king burnt the roll? Jeremiah had a book. He wrote the judgments of God, and the king said, I don't like that book, and he burned it. And what did God say? God said, write thee another one like the last one. How many things did Jeremiah miss? Did you ever wonder that? Oh, no. How would you remember half the book of Jeremiah? That'd be quite a feat to memorize half the book of Jeremiah and be able to quote it perfectly, every jot and tittle accurate. Jeremiah didn't write another copy depending on his own memory. Jeremiah wrote another copy by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And so it is to this day. Men can burn it. Men can hate it. Men can ban it. Men can do everything that they ever want to do to try and destroy the word of God. And it will never perish from off this earth until this earth perishes from underneath it. Until God burns up this earth because God is the preserver of his word. And so here... He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. This Lord Jesus Christ in English is Jesus. Now, I don't care if you want to look into the Hebrew and learn about the Hebrew. It's not bad, but you don't need it. This might be a shock to you. You're not any holier if you pray in the name of Yeshua than if you pray in the name of Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know that God understands English just as good as Hebrew? Did you know that God is the one who made English English? Go back and read your Bible. Genesis chapter 9, isn't it? Tower of Babel, somewhere in there. God's the one who made English. And you don't need to go to the Hebrew, and you don't need to go to the Greek, and you don't need, by the way, most of these guys that want to try and correct you and say his name's Yeshua, most of them are just a bunch of Judaizers. And I'm just going to say that. We're not even going to harp on them too much today. Just a bunch of stinking Judaizers trying to lord it over you with their fake scholastic knowledge. And I want to give you something else that will help you today. 
Nobody today alive really knows what Hebrew sounded like whenever they wrote the Bible anyway, because Hebrew died. It was a dead language as far as spoken languages go. It was only preserved in writing, and Hebrew writing has no vowels, only consonants. All we have today of what the Hebrew sounded like are the best guesses of fallen men. Oh, wait a second. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you believe in the divine preservation of the phonetic sounds of the Hebrew by God, but you don't believe in the divine preservation of his Bible? You believe that God's somehow going to preserve the guttural noises that the Hebrews made, but he's not going to preserve the words that they said? That he inspired the word. We're moving on. There's no hope if you're in that condition. But boy, that's how it is. The, what my Bible teacher taught me at seminary, that's inspired and infallible. But the word of God, that's questionable. Well, that shows who your faith is in, doesn't it? You believe man rather than God. Now, let's move on here today. This name, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. Let's pick up on this glorification of Christ. Boy, Jesus takes up so much time. We're almost out of time already. And that's okay. We could spend the rest of our time on that matchless name of Jesus, this name of God in the flesh, this name Jesus that is to be glorified in you. So we're going to have to go really fast on this idea of being glorified in you and ye in him and what this means, the grace of our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. We could preach a whole nother message just right here or two. Or more, but we're just going to try and go fast and move on today. So here, Jesus Christ, this name of Jesus Christ is to be glorified in you, not by you. Do you see that difference? I don't even know if I can do this. There's just too much. He's not saying, there are other places I believe where he talks about glorifying God, where you're doing it as an act. But here he's saying that the name of Jesus Christ... The name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. And what, what is the context of all this? Lord Jesus, help me. We are out of time, and I am just getting started. Let's go to our context. He says here in verse 10 that Jesus is coming to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him. So this Jesus, this name of Jesus being glorified in me is glorified in me when God fulfills the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith and power in me. What does that mean? Well, we studied that last time. You'll have to go back and check it because we have no time to go back through all that. But this is saying, what this is talking about is that by you living the life of Christ, the resurrected life of Christ, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of you as were baptized into his death... I'm going to butcher it up. I got to turn there. No, you're not. There's so many of us were baptized into his death. We're, um, we're baptized also into his resurrection. I think it says, Lord, help me. 
trying to hurry and now I'm stumbling all over the place. He says, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So what was it that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead? It was the glory of the Father. And we are to glorify Jesus Christ and Christ is to be glorified in us. And how is Christ glorified in us? That matchless name of Jesus is glorified in us when the glory of the Father works newness of life in our hearts so that we in our hearts obey from our hearts the word of truth. So that we hear and obey the word of God and become followers of Jesus Christ and live an extension of the life of Christ on earth, loving as he loved, living like he lived, obeying the Father like he obeyed the Father, and Jesus Christ is glorified in us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So Jesus Christ is glorified by the work of faith and power. Go back and study that. You have to have all three of those for it to be biblical good works. The work of faith and power. We looked at that in the last Bible time. So here, Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him. Now, wait a second. This ye in him. For you to be glorified in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, the Bible teaches that I am, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. To be saved is to be in Christ. Christ in me, hope of glory. Me in Christ, hope of glorification. Me in Christ, Christ in me, and me in Christ. So if I am in Christ, I'm a new creature. And therefore, I'm glorified in Christ's creature. Christ's creation, Christ's body. And no longer am I known for my own self. Look at me right now. Over here you see the form of a man named Joshua Burks. You see the form of a man. But did you know that Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but was made in the likeness of men. He took on the form of a servant. And did you know that this servant, when he's in Christ, though he was in the form of man and thought it very much robbery to be equal with God? This man, Joshua Burks, who would be robbing from God if he tried to be equal with God in Christ, I'm glorified with Christ and seated with Christ in the heavenlies in a place of gracious equality. Not because I am anything or I've achieved anything or I've attained anything, but because he loved me and gave himself for me. And through the power of his name, I am lifted up from my sin. I'm lifted up from my wickedness and I'm placed in Christ. The Bible says we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That doesn't mean that I have equal authority or equal power or anything else, but rather that this no good worm of a man has been elevated to a status he has no ability to attain to. Elevated to a status he has no right to claim. That this no good worm of a man who deserves to be a servant, who deserves to be humbled, who deserves to taste death for his own sins that through the name of Jesus Christ who tasted death for all men and commands all men everywhere to repent that through that name of Jesus Christ I am now risen with Christ as the Bible says here that I should walk in newness of life for if if we've been planted Romans 6 5 for if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth we should not serve sin for he that is dead is freed from sin (coughs) the mysteries the mysteries here 
are inconceivable. But the fact and the reality is that this prayer of the Apostle Paul is God's will for you, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him. And how is that done? According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we could preach on all of these points. We're just going to touch them and go for today. Go to Titus chapter 2. This thing right here, we could preach a whole nother hour or two or three just right here in Titus chapter 2. I'm not bragging. Some of you guys, you say, oh, well, look at that bragger. He says he can preach two or three hours. Listen to me. The Bible's what preaches. All I'm doing is just giving you Bible. And the Bible can preach and preach and preach. And God doesn't need me to do it. God can use anybody that he wants to to preach this book. Now, he limits himself to that which he has defined in the scripture. So we're not going to get into all that today. Some Satanist isn't going to be standing up and preaching this thing. Excuse me. Because God won't do it. And there's other applications we're not going to right now. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And this all ties back. We're just going to shut it down. This all ties back to exactly what we're studying, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That all ties exactly in. Do you see it? It ties exactly in with Thessalonians and what we're learning in Thessalonians. This grace of God that the Apostle Paul is praying that through the name of Jesus, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This grace of God sanctifies you as well as saves you. Any grace that only saves without sanctifying is the devil's grace. It's a fake grace. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously. I've already turned away from it in and holy in this present world. You can read it again for yourself. We're going to shut down. That's Titus 2 and verse 11. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you'd exalt your son, Jesus Christ, through this message that you would turn hearts to you and that you would be glorified and magnified that your son, Jesus Christ, would be exalted. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Lord, expose this world to the real Jesus. Reveal your son through your church, through your people. Reveal your son through me. Reveal your son through the word. And reveal your son finally, Lord, in the clouds descending to catch your bride away and then come again in your glory. We look for you to come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.